In August 2015, Gary Newman and Dana Walden, co-chairs and CEOs at Fox, met with journalists to discuss the upcoming Prison Break reboot. When questioned about the reasoning behind rebooting this particular show, Walden remarked that people are still interested in these characters. And she was right. Prison Break remains one of the most successful library shows on Netflix. What is it about these properties that make them so ripe for being remade? A cynic might argue that it's the result of a tired system relying on fond nostalgia to gather as much cash as possible from a sinking ship. But what if it were something more? What if there was some intangible quality that couldn't be quantified? This show is about the search for that essence. This is Still Interested for Curio. Totally recall, still interested, our TV and ah. film reboot remake podcast for Curio. I'm, as always, your uh, Martian future seer uh, host, Ben McAllister. And I'm your totally radical friend, Jackson Newsom. Now, I feel like we've just done something we don't usually do when we make this podcast, which is just like, we, we, we're not bearing the lead today, let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, certainly, certainly. Let's just fucking yeah. say it, we're doing Total Recall 1990, Paul Verhoeven, back at it okay, again. Okay, dude. By the way, yeah, I- I'm glad you jumped on- onto the Paul Verhoeven thing. This is the fucking Verhoeven trilogy, bitch! Yeah, I mean, dude. I guess only the second one, but we just did Robocop. Paul Verhoeven, of course, director of the original Robocop. And then fucking here we are again with another PV Ridge. <laughs> I love that. Uh, hang on. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, shit. I love that Verhoeven style, that cutting satire, dude, that absolute takedown of modern society and capitalism at large. In general, yeah. Corporate greed in general. Yeah. My brother's in town this weekend. Hey-o. And yeah, he was around uh, watching the movie with me last night. And as we were starting the film, because he's a big fan of the podcast, hey Jake, what's up? He, uh, <laughs> I was like taking notes and he was like, oh, I didn't know you took like notes like that. I thought you had just like a picture you with like a yellow legal pad. And I was like, yeah, no, we told you I have my laptop, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, I was like tapping it out and I was like, oh shit, I usually like write down the year and the director. And he was like, hey Google, because he has a little fucking like, fucking like Google assistant. So I was like, hey Google, who directed Total Recall? <laughs> I was like... Total Recall was directed by Paul Verhoeven. And I was like, fucking Paul Verhoeven, man! That's the Robocop guy! But of course, we are talking, as we've already said several times, about the 1990 Arnold Schwarzenegger action-adventure classic, uh, Total Recall. Fucking what a movie, man. Like, uh, this movie... I saw this movie a bunch when I was a kid, and I'm only, like, sort of, like, on this most recent rewatch, realising how inappropriate it is for children. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I saw it as well. And, like, there's a moment in it I'm sure we'll come to later on, but, like, I remember, I remember like, walking in to Dad watching this film and being like, oh, what's, what's happening? Oh, like, as, like, a young kid being, like, spooked out by um these uh, adult adventures. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. And, and like, yeah, we'll get there when we get there. Shall we Shall we dip right in? Let's just go ahead and do it, dude. Let's dissect this yeah, frog. Yeah, dude. Oh, thank you for bringing that in for the merch. Um, So... <laughs> 
First thing, lot of intro going on. Like, how fucking long was the title cards and shit for this movie? So long. Two or three minutes. And it was like all this weird, like, draggy text effect. Against like, this, like, like, sort of, like, red curtain. It was very yeah. Twin Peaks. Yeah, okay, yeah, sure. It was, it was a pretty, it was a pretty weird intro. But something fun happens in this intro that we can't, like, there's nothing too spectacular to say about it. It's just, like, text on a red background and the text, like, drags around and it looks weird. A fun thing. It's just, like, names of actors and directors and whatnot. The original title of the story upon which this movie is based, we can remember it for you wholesale. Which is a Philip K. Dick story. Now, yeah, dude. how fucking crazy is that as a title? Yeah. It's bad, man. It is a bad title. <laughs> it's important to know, like, this is, this is something I've had kicking around in my brain for a while. This is Philip K. Dick, uh, the same guy who wrote another awfully titled <laughs> story to Android's Dream of Electric Sheep, which became fucking Blade Runner. Listen, like, made incredible, like, sci-fi, yeah, like, humanistic stories. Struggle with titles, though, it has to be Good said. writer, right? Like, a lot of, like, interesting futurist stuff, stuff that takes, like, an interesting perspective on, like, what it means to be a human, what a real memory is, like, you know, all kinds of shit like that. Could not title a story to save his dang life. Now, I'm Benjamin, just... have you seen... Because there was a, uh, what was it, Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams, was it? Or Yeah, it's on Netflix now, Yeah, I think. Should it not then be titled Philip K. Dick's Electric yeah, Sheep? Yeah, yeah, it really should. Um, it's Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, which is a book I had to read in high school. By the way, dude, let's just address this on podcast. This is a conversation we had this week. How much you call me Benjamin on this podcast? <laughs> Listen. What is, what is the deal with that? You never call me Benjamin when we're just interacting. No one really calls me Benjamin. I go by I go by Ben pretty much universally. Listen, I'm like, trying to create some professional distance. Yeah, it's a professional... We're, right, we're very good friends, context. and I... I feel like it's important to sort of separate uh, Ben and Benjamin as the two personas. Well, if that's going to be the case, I'm going to have to insist that you refer to me by my full name, uh, Be- Benjamindus Timothonius. I-, I-, I had a teacher in class the other day. I-, I-, I admit I wasn't really paying a lot of attention because the classes are getting a, a little bit repetitive. Yeah, because you're, um, you're on that fucking Save by the Bell time where you're just yeah, like... Yeah, dude. You're, you're fucking... Um, uh, it's very uh, well, it's like Zach. welcome back, Cotter, dude. I'm doing like a whole John Travolta thing. Oh, yeah, but like before yeah, he was a Scientologist, so it's still cool. Yeah, now, um, is that is that better or worse than the Save by the Bell thing? Like a welcome back, Cotter thing? Like which, which one do you think our audience is more likely to get? Ooh, probably Saved by the... Bell? Although I feel like they, they showed reruns of Welcome Back Cotter like a fair bit on Australian mm. TV. Hey, let's put um, up a poll, dude. Let's still in yeah, Twitter. Yeah, <gasps> yeah, we'll throw it up on Twitter. Oh, Actually, yeah. let's fucking do it, dude. Like, we're just tweet at me like, we got two references going. Welcome Back Cotter yeah. or Saved by the Bell? What one's, one's going to hit more? It's yeah, not really yeah. an in-depth reference. It's just the name of the show. What yeah, one do you the respond concept, with more? The concept of the show. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. So you're in class being Zach yeah. from Saved by the Bell. I think his yeah, name was yeah. Zach. Anyway, um, go on. I'm, I'm, I'm in there sitting in class. I'm actually... At this point, I was fucking like writing a poem because I was like, ah, I can tune out. There I am. Because you're the warrior like, poet now. Warrior the poet now, exactly. Uh, tap, tap, tap. Right, right, right. And then this teacher, to like sort of bring me back into the conversation, uh, like says something and is like, so, what do you think about that, Johnson? <laughs> 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 and just like, yeah. just like, like I understand that Jack and John like historically are close, but yeah, I don't. But Johnson think that is not a name. Johnson and Jackson, and yeah, but like, Johnson's not a first name. Like, yeah, exactly. Like Jackson is Jackson. Yeah, that's very strange. I couldn't, I couldn't see if she was intentionally throwing me under the bus and be like, "You're gonna have to deal with this nickname in class now for the rest of the year." But I was basically Johnson. like, "I see you, I see you do this, and believe me, I am not impressed." <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, let's let's actually start doing. Yeah, let's do then, it, shall we? Yeah. So, dude, we're on Mars, and there's two people in spacesuits, number eight and number two, looking around, and oh boy, does this shit look like the nineties? Man, everything oh. is red. They couldn't pay for anything not to be in red. <laughs> yeah, fucking uh, number eight spacesuit like falls down like a Martian cliffside, and his visor cracks open, and we see <laughs> a very contorted and confronting Arnold Schwarzenegger facial expression, where he's just Man. like. <laughs> like the, the, yeah. the first of many times we get like man what is it with like Paul Verhoeven and his movies having just like a big man writhing and contorting his face in like terror and agony yeah, there's a lot of it in this movie and also Robocop but anyway uh, <laughs> yeah, he wakes up he's in bed with his wife Played by Sharon Stone, uh, his yep. wife Laurie. We find yep. out this guy's name is Arnold Schwarzenegger is playing Douglas Quaid, who is a construction yeah, and, worker. And, and the way we find that out is because he's having a bad dream and he's woken up and he's freaking out. And his wife's like, Doug, was it about Mars? <laughs> Which is my first title pitch for this movie. Doug, was it about Mars? <laughs> We then roll straight into a line of questioning where she's, uh, where his wife Laurie is like, "Oh, was uh, referring to the number two spacesuit uh, who was a, happened to be a brunette." Uh, his wife Laurie is like, "Was she there? Was the brunette there?" And they yeah. start having this kind of like play fight slash like argument about so this dream bad. brunette. I'm just gonna say it. Arnie is not doing a great Let's job. <laughs> He gets better as the film goes on, but like good God, he bit. butchers these lines <laughs> he, here. Like, any time where he, like, okay, any time where he's being, like, super spy, Douglas Quaid, and, like, saying, like, cool one-liners, like, it's it's possible. Yeah. Anytime he has to just be, like, a normal person, <laughs> he's done such a bad job. Like, this whole scene with, like, rolling around in bed, he's just like, hey, what's, where are you going, Laurie? Why are you <laughs> running away from me? Oh, no, she was not there. Hey, you, you know you're the girl of my dreams, Laurie. <laughs> Oh it's god, like, it's a lot. It's honestly the room esque. Like, it's tell it me why it's so room esque. Yeah, particularly because this... like the opening part of this film is just the two of them rolling around. Yeah. In oh, bed. by the way, I said that was my first title pitch. Just wanted to duck back. My first title pitch was actually "We Can Remember It For You Wholesale." I think that's nice and nice. Uh, anyway, nice. Uh, we had a lot of good looks at, at, at like a shirtless, muscly Arnie here, and I don't know, man. I'm gonna leave this up to to uh, people who are attracted to men to decide. But like. To me, Arnie looks grotesquely swollen in this scene. <laughs> like, he's this flesh golem. Like, it's, it's confronting. <laughs> See, I, I actually think... I, 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 I don't mind it too much, the, uh, the swollen flesh. But I, you know... <laughs> Like, I, I think Arnie's got a very particular look, and he's the best at it, you know what I mean? Like, like I feel like if you compare Arnie to, like, other contemporary bodybuilders and that sort of thing... Oh, don't get like, me wrong. Like, some of Arnie's, like, Mr. Universe looks, like, his Mr. Universe, like, winning look, I think, in particular, like, the really famous one where he's, like, mm. I, don't know, I can see how, like, he's an attractive man. I don't think in this particular moment... He just looks swollen. <laughs> Quaid is getting ready for work. He's like eating some cereal. There's the news playing. There are terrorists demanding independence on Mars. Dude, terrorists on Mars, man. Yeah, we're getting a little yeah. bit of the fucking, like, I don't know, large meta narrative that goes on in this yeah. movie. Yeah. It's like a, like a galactic government that has like taken over most of the solar system and there's like sort of yeah. fighting on Mars and shit's happening in Saturn. Yeah, it's like a it's like a futurist type deal. Like humans are expanded to Mars, there's colonies there, there's like two main groups, I guess, like the North and 
Northern and Southern blocks. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And they're like at war, I guess. And also, there's Mars separatists who want Mars independence. But yeah, like I, okay, this, this all being said, like this this seems kind of like dated now ish. But like, think about the fact that Philip K. Dick wrote this shit a long time ago, and this movie was made in the '90s. Like, this is like ahead of its time. Yeah, totally. We do get a lot of like weird dialogue in this scene where Doug's like, "Laurie, let's do it. Let's move to Mars." And Laurie's <laughs> like, "She's just not into it. She's not having it. She's all like, Doug, like you'd hate it on Mars. Come on, why do you why do you even want to go?" there and he's like oh okay Laurie and then he like I don't know gets up and leaves I guess and at this point I'm thinking he's like I don't really remember all of this movie all that well I'm just like what a weird character motivation that this guy just like wants to go to Mars like that's his yeah. that's his entire character motivation well particularly because like like Laurie's sitting on top of him and trying to be like we can go to Saturn and like you don't want to go to Mars and she's like trying to like seduce him essentially and then he's just kind of like I'm late for work <laughs> and then like just yeah. stands up and leaves and it's like alright bye we are getting a look at this like classic like similar to Robocop-esque like late 80s early 90s futurism with like their idea of what the future is going to hold yeah. and it just looks so good man I just love the aesthetic of this movie I've got some specific points I'm going to address later but like just in general and like this is this is my first point of remakeability it's just that like kind of like looks a little silly but is actually kind of cool like futurism cyberpunky vibe I really dig it yeah totally dude I think like the way it looks is like I, I think like the aesthetic of this film it, it just it just feels very Paul Verhoeven yeah it, it honestly feels Robocop-esque like, knowing now that it's the same director is just like not surprising in the least so Doug leaves his house and he goes through like this big x-ray machine which is fun it's like very poignant very like now this idea of like fucking hectic security at airports or whatever I guess like he walks through this big like full body x-ray machine and there's just people looking at them then we see an ad for Recall, a company that will implant false memories in your brain so you think you had awesome holidays and shit. Sounds like, so fresh. Yeah, dude. that's actually a very cool idea. Yeah. But they also have like this fucking banger of a jingle that's like, for the memory of a lifetime, recall, recall, recall. And it's just like, cool, dude. Like, just, just like, like it, it feels. It feels like an insurance ad, essentially, and like I think yeah. it sort of speaks to Verhoeven's whole whole vibe about how like people market it and market and like advertise to like. No, people. that's true. It, sorry, I'm eating corn kernels still. Um, <laughs> was, I'm just gonna push the ball away from me now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, 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 totally. It, it's a very fun ad. I, I quite enjoyed it. I didn't remember the jingle uh, because I watched this movie last night, but I'm glad that you did. Mm, now mm. we cut to like after seeing this ad, like Doug's at work. He's a construction worker, and like this. Okay, this is fucking weird. There's like a few seconds shot of like like Doug like hammering away on his jackhammer lots of like rippling Arnie meat and like you know some other boys <laughs> hammering away on There's their jackhammers a lot of meat and then just like out of nowhere Doug over the sound of all these fucking jackhammers turns to his co-worker and is like hey hey do you know about recall and like the other guy they like, can't hear of course and he's like what and then they like both turn off their jackhammers to have this conversation <laughs> why was it filmed like that why did they open with five seconds of jackhammering before the conversation like why don't have Arnie like punching in talking to his colleague like why did we need the bit where he's trying to talk to him but yeah, it's too loud it, like, so they have could, to turn off the jackhammers could have been like on lunch break it could have been so like they could have been at, at the at the bar like having a beer or something yep, like that yep. instead of like Any middle of, of the day to... yeah it's just so unnecessary anyway uh his other guy's like uh oh yeah recall totally uh I, I had a buddy who went there but they really fucked up his brain and he had to be lobotomized 
It's like, oh boy, that's that's pretty spooky. But of course, Doug is unperturbed and decides <laughs> he's gonna go anyway. Because the next thing that happens is Doug shows up at Recall. And man, this scene in particular is the one where this like 90s futurism picture starts really unraveling. Oh, because the first man. thing we see, the first thing we see is a like receptionist tapping away on a mechanical keyboard. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, and, but also like she's she's going ahead doing that while she's using a pen that like changes her nail colour. Yeah, okay. Is, so fucking fresh. So that's very cool. Like, the, the high technology stuff, I really, really dig, actually. That's also extremely remakeable. Like, fucking high concept sci-fi, no question. I mean, obviously that's going to be in the remake. It's the fucking same movie. But, like, I just mean, yeah. like, specifically, I mean these fun little gadgets. Like, yeah, like have, yeah. Taking, taking some time out of the movie to, like, focus on, like, a cool thing that she has that changes the color of her fingernails by tapping it with a fun pen. Like, as opposed to just the more, more plot-centric stuff. But, yeah, so, like, he walks into Recall, he's like, Hello, I'm Douglas Quaid. I'd like to meet your doctors about the trip to Mars. So he gets he gets sent into like a consultation with the doctor, and the doctor is like, "Yeah, dude, we'll sell you a fake Mars memory. Like you can go on a Mars holiday, cruise across the Mars savanna, do a bunch of fun Mars stuff." And Arnie's like, "How real does it seem?" And then he comes up with my second favorite title pitch when the doctor's like, "Real as you can imagine," and he's like, "Come on, don't bullshit me." <laughs> but like, if it's a title pitch, it has to be spelt phonetically, like the way Arnie would say it. Yeah, like C A H M A A H N. Come on. <laughs> so Quaid's here, and he's sort of like thinking about it, being like, "Okay, maybe Mars package." Bob McLean starts talking about additional things they can offer, um, where you. Uh, take a vacation from yourself as well. They call it the ego trip. This is trip. where the wheels fall off the premise a little bit for me. Yeah. So basically what it means is that, like, not only can you imagine yourself on this, like, uh, future planet and, like, you know, fucking around having, like, a vacation, you can also build in a narrative which, like, they offer you, like, you could be a scientist or the one that Quaid ends up choosing, a secret agent. Um, but basically, you can, like, alter your memories and, like, imagine that you are this, like, super cool, awesome, ultimate... Yeah, persona. no, okay, so the reason this is where the wheels fall off the premise for me is because, like, okay, I guess it's not actually discussed. Is the idea meant to be that you don't think you're in, like, you, you don't remember that it's, like, a fake memory and you believe it's a real memory? Yeah. Because, like, if that is the case... Surely this is so dangerous. Because they're offering him, like, the fucking... Like, they're offering him, like, oh, go be, like, a super spy busting up a Mars conspiracy. And it's like, how can that be, like... If they if they are, like, meant to believe that that is reality, how is that a fucking reasonable thing to do? Be like, yeah, we're just going to imply false memories that make you think you're a spy or a, a direct quote... Millionaire Playboy sports hero. <laughs> like, yeah, that, that yeah, just can't yeah. be safe. That being said, uh, in, in addition to that, speaking of safety, uh, Arnie asks, like, well, how safe is it compared to like a shuttle ride to Mars? And uh, Bob McLean's like, oh, it's so safe. It's way safer than a shuttle. Like, sure, we had some fatalities in the past, but we figured all that out now. And then he pulls up a graph, which is on the y-axis fatalities and on the x-axis time. And there's two lines. One says recall, and the other says shuttles. And the shuttle line is just, like, going up exponentially. <laughs> and the recall line is just flat. And it was so funny. That, like, data representation. Like, oh, I don't know why. I just fucking lost it at seeing that graph. <laughs> uh, it's, like, 800 credits for the, the first package and then an extra 300 to be a spy. We're not really sure how much credits in, like, today's economy would be worth. Yeah, except for the um, fact that later a cab ride is, like, 18 credits. So it's right. not... 
It's not an absurd amount of money. That's the thing. No. It's like 50 cab fares. But keeping in mind, he hasn't told his wife this and has seeming... It, it seems like it's still the day, right? So it seems like he's just like walked offside in a daze being like, Rico, Rico, Rico. Yeah, pretty and much. Just, like, yes. walked he's, in. he's quit his job to go yeah. spend a lot of money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Very sensible. Quaid heads in and there is a machine set up. Uh, it's kind of like it's kind of like there's a bit of a cerebro vibe from like X Men, I guess. But like there's sort of like uh, these sort of uh, almost electrodes towards the skull, and then a chair dude, that you an sit in X-Men and like colored lights. Yes, dude, I love it. Yeah, Arnie, I have to say, looks really fucking goofy being lowered yeah, into this machine yeah, like a child at Christmas. Like, what's happening? It's very silly. Now, man, at this point, I'm really like, man, this movie's not fucking around. Like, this movie is getting places quickly. Yeah, and the lab technician. Who just oh, like is dude. also definitely not fucking around. This is lab tech when he's like, oh, first time, and Arnie's like, yes, he's like, oh, well, don't worry, things almost never fuck up around here. Boom, <laughs> walks clean out of frame, just says that, and just fucking dips. I love it. I gave him an MVP nom. Dude, me as well. And Benjamin, I would love to know where is okay, he now. Okay, well, yeah, I'll, I'll look up where he is now, but please remember my full title. Um, <laughs> so, what, what, what was it again? Right, Benjamin. Okay, I'll try. Ernie was this character's name. Ernie. Played by David Nell. Oh, man. Best known for his roles as a goofy, callow youth in films like Spring Break, Splash, Total Recall, and Turner and Hooch. Oh, it always bums me out when we latch onto, like, a bit part character in one of these movies, and then this movie is one of the things they're listed as well-known in. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's always a shame. But let's let's see what else this guy's done. Uh, Oh, he, he also played a character called Ernie in Turner and Hooch. Was okay. it the same Ernie? The movie was the year before. Who is Ernie and Turner and Hooch? <laughs> what the fuck? Hang on. Dude, are these movies connected? Yeah, is it the same fucking universe? If Paul Verhoeven directed Turner and Hooch, I'm going to fucking flip. Who directed <laughs> that movie? <laughs> no, it's Roger Spottiswood. Okay. Maybe it's a Sydney. Yeah, for, yeah, that's right. Ernie appears in the Wikipedia article for Turner and Hooch once... Uh, not in the plot synopsis in the cast. So, uh, he, yep, he's going to be a minor character, also named Ernie. Hey, Pretty Benjamin, coincidence. can I tell you that Touchstone Pictures acquired the screenplay for Turner and Hooch for $1 million, which was the highest price ever paid by Touchstone for any script at the time. <laughs> a lot of money in 1989. What Dude, can you imagine being like, dollars? this film i need i mean to be fair craig t nelson reginald val johnson like you, you attract dude, some big names those people weren't in the movie when they bought the script <laughs> they yeah, attached dude. those people to it but imagine <laughs> seeing listen Tara hooch have you seen it I've also seen did it. you sleep on tom hanks to say craig t nelson and reginald val johnson <laughs> well i feel like tom hanks was a given right <laughs> um hey dude david nell was in grim the tv show in 2012 Oh fuck! Okay, so still, still doing it, still grinding. No, okay. Uh, he was in a, a short film in 2015 called "Sister in the Brotherhood," uh, about a young black apprentice tra- tradeswoman who struggles to prove herself on the job. Okay. okay, he was the like the he's the top build cast member in this movie, so he's a white man. I'm so. Presumably the antagonist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he plays some like racist foreman. He was Boog in Chopper Chicks in Zombie Town, which must have been a um uh, a good get for oh cool David dude. Nell. A gang of tough women bikers are the only thing that stands between a crowd of zombies which have been accidentally let out of their secure cave and those still alive <laughs> in the town. Man, Wait, what? It, this is the Chopper Chicks in Zombie Town uh, plot uh. synopsis. A comedy oh, horror. It's about an all-female motorcycle gang named the Cycle Sluts. 
That's Jesus. Yep. Let's just go ahead and leave David Nell's story career there. Yeah, and that's where it ends. <laughs> Hang on, was he the lead in Spring Break? He's top build. Yeah, you know Spring Break. Two sets of two college guys spend a spring break together in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. There they have lots of fun in and out of the sun. <laughs> you know that plot synopsis? Did you just make that up? No, that's the plot synopsis for Spring Break, according to IMDb. Dude, okay, hang on. Dude, I found a user review for Spring Break that I just need to read. And maybe we'll cut it. Okay, please, but it, please, it's, please, please. First of all, 10 stars. <laughs> so, that's, okay. that's good. <laughs> <laughs> and the title, A Break Worth Taking. <laughs> so, get Get ready. Spring Break is nothing more than an exploitative teen flick, but that is exactly what it's set out to be. Following in the footsteps of the immensely popular Porkies, this movie ups the nudie and the cheese tenfold. The entire film is a fine slice of Swiss. This movie, this movie is this guy's Citizen Kane. Ten stars, dude. The perfect film. Oh my god. You will probably not find another film that features more beer being dumped on any everyone oh, than this dude, film. Oh, nice. That's what I look for in a movie. What other movie could get away with a guy urinating on an alligator? As, <laughs> as far as 80s teen comedies go, this might just be the holy grail. While what? It doesn't have all, while it doesn't have all that many moments of intentional hilarity, the entire... That's what they got. Ten stars! Doesn't have that many moments of intentional hilarity. Ten stars! (laughs) The entire film is full of lovable, cheesy, and wild antics. It's about four guys having the time of their lives, and it is great. Um, Oh, sorry. This this film... This is the last little bit. This film certainly won't win any awards, but it sure has won electric and fun trip back to the 80s. Never a dull moment. Spring Rake is a film definitely worth saving from those dust-covered VHF shelves. Forget Friday the 13th. This is Sean Cunningham's masterpiece. Whoa! Sean Cunningham! (laughs) (laughs) Why did you bury that lead? What the fuck? Jesus. Uh, Dude, David Nell on Twitter, by the way. Let me read you his Twitter bio. It's, It's probably the perfect Twitter bio. David Nell has been doing David Nell stuff on the big screen, the stage, and around the neighborhood for well nigh half a century. He's nearly got it down. That is amazing. He has 218 followers, so now he has 219. Yeah, uh, soon to be 220. Just, and then once yeah. we add all the other Curio ones, I guess yeah, like 223. Yeah. We're going to be a not inconsiderable fraction of David Nell's Twitter followers. <laughs> a vocal minority, I would say. Look, okay, I know we tried the Paul McCrane thing and we didn't get it, but... I think we can probably get David Nell on Dude, the show. Dude, I'd be so into okay? it. Okay, so go tweet at David Nell. We've now spent more time talking about David Nell in this recording than not. So, <laughs> I'm just going through all the curio accounts adding David Nell. <laughs> oh, fuck, dude. I'm- I'm deeply into David Nell as a concept now. I'm so deeply into David Nell. We get one last moment of David Nell as they're essentially getting ready to um, upload Quaid's memory. Um, And then uh, I think David Nell's hand like a vial looks at her and is like, huh, blue sky on Mars. That's unusual. Um, And then they continue, which is relevant 
for Man, the rest of the I didn't even notice movie. that, so good pickup. Um, he had to pick what kind of woman he wanted in his memories, which is just kind of gross. Uh, and then, yep. I guess we cut away from that. We're meant to assume that the action is going to begin down there. Uh, for what it's worth, Arnie picked a, um, what was it? A, a demure yet wanton brunette with an athletic physique. Yes. So now we're back up with um, Dr. Bob the Blob. And uh, he gets a phone call. And then there's some kind of problem with Arnie, I guess. Like, they're like, hey, come on down. Doug, Doug Quaid's freaking out. And he heads down yeah. the lab. And indeed, we see Doug Quaid is freaking out. And they're like, Mr. Quaid, relax, relax. And he's like, my name's not Quaid. And he starts, like, <laughs> yelling at them about how they, like, they blew his cover. He's like, you fucked me up. You blew my cover. Uh, and then eventually they, <laughs> they successfully sedate him. And then the woman technician is like, huh, I guess uh, he must be a real Mars secret agent. Not just the fake one we were about to implant and the guy's like don't be silly the message just oh fucked up God, and he, he he i think what he says in fact is you stupid bitch or something like that yeah dude i, I gotta be honest i gotta give an mvp to this like the uh scientist here like the red-headed scientist because like she's just there being like well this is clearly what's happened this is the way forward and then fucking like david nell and guy. bob mclean are just kind of like what the fuck do you mean what's going on i didn't get it like ah, uh, and just like yelling the wrong thing yeah bob mclean's like you stupid bitch no <laughs> Obviously, this is just the fucking fake memory implanting fucked up, and now he believes it's real. And she's like, huh, well, you know why it can't be that Bob McLean? Because we hadn't even started implanting the secret yeah, agent memories just yet. she crushes it. Kaboom! And then they're all, like, screaming at each other. She slaps one of them in the face. They're freaking out about, like, oh, God, someone's wiped his memory. And then they're like, well, obviously it was the agency. The agency must have done it. And we must have tripped it and, and, and freaked him out, and he must really be a spy. So Bob McLean's solution is like, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're gonna wipe his memory. We're gonna return his money, and we're just gonna stick him in a cab and send him downtown. And Benjamin, not just any cab. They decide to stick our friend Quaid in a Johnny cab, yeah, which dude. might sound confusing, but it is a an automated cab operated by a talking mannequin, essentially. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like a deeply unsettling talking mannequin. Absolutely horrifying TM, dude. Like, this thing is just <laughs> hard to look at. Cab's like, where would you like to go? And he's like, wait, where am I? Why am I in the cab? And the robot's like, I don't know how to answer that. Well, can you rephrase the question? And he's like, who are you and where are we going? And then uh, the cab, like, drops him off at his house and his co-worker is there, whose name we didn't get. And his co-worker is like, Yo, Doug, what is going on? Did you go Did you go to recall even though I told <laughs> Man, you not to? Really climbing out of that accent, eh, Benjamin? Yeah, no, that was actually me, like, trying to do, like, a really <laughs> hectic, like, Oh, I'm from I'm a blah, blah. I don't know, I was trying to do, like, a, a, a not super over-the-top, like, Italian mobster accent. Yeah, it yeah, just yeah. just a little Arnie, didn't it? <laughs> so the, the guy the guy is basically like huh did you go to recall even though I told you not to and Arnie's like what are you talking about my friend I went there to learn about Mars and uh, <laughs> then they kidnap him a bunch of his like a bunch of random dudes just come out of nowhere and try and grab him uh, at this point I'm just like what the fuck is going on and you'd be forgiven for, for thinking that because this plot is fucking confusing and yeah. Arnie's delivery is just off he like ultra murders these guys like in a shocking display of highly remakeable ultra violence another Paul Verhoeven <laughs> classic he um, fucking murders six dudes he activates I guess like his spy powers his latent spy powers and just yeah <laughs> mur murders these guys so so good for him gotta have that ultra violence in there it's a Paul Verhoeven flick after all we cut <clears> to <throat> Laurie in her apartment she's practicing her Wii tennis there's like a oh, dude, uh, it was hologram. so good 
holographic version of like some athlete and like Laurie is practicing her tennis uh, tennis game. Uh, Quaid busts in and is like freaking the fuck out and she's like, yo, what's good? Uh, are you like over your whole Mars obsession? Like what's happening? And he's like, ah, I killed them. I killed my co-workers. Yeah, and she's like, you're having a delusion. And he's like, you call this a delusion? And then, like, holds up his hands, and there's fucking, like, blood all over them, which is really burying the lead on his Exactly, part. totally. And this is the thing, where it's like, why is he doing such a bad job of explaining what's going on? A recurring theme in this film, where he just, like, doesn't try very hard to make sure that he's actually being understood. But yeah, she's like, oh god, I guess you aren't making all this up. I guess this isn't just something that recall implants in your brain. Here, let me call a doctor. And he leaves, and then we see her enable, like, a video link call with just this, like stern looking bald guy they stare at each other for a few seconds and exchange no words uh she goes after him basically uh while he's in the bathroom like washing his hands she comes in with like a gun i guess and tries to kill him and he makes like the most low energy lamest dive out of the way of the bullets like i guess they they fight right like they get in a big dust up all over the house and shit she she loves punching him in the nuts throughout the duration of this yeah, fight. I think she does like three it. separate nut shots, which is like <laughs> always, always funny, dude. Like nothing funnier than a nut shot on camera. Mm. And we learned that she was like a spy with the agency who was tasked with like keeping an eye on him. She was like implanted as his wife. Quote from her. Sorry, Quaid, your whole life is just a dream. And he's like, it's bullshit. <laughs> I did not. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> um... But yeah, like, I gotta I got be honest, dude, Sharon Stone fucking crushes this scene, and, like, I, I think, like, comparative in the scenes with Arnie, like, she's just, like, so much easier to watch, and so much more, like, uh, like, yeah, fucking, no, like... no question, she actually has a lot to do in this movie, and she does a pretty good job of yeah, almost all of it, yeah. and, uh, yeah. so he's neutralized her now, and she's like... How about we fuck one last time, just for old time's sake? And it's like, oh boy, she wants to stick, but clearly it's just a distraction, because he looks over at the random TV monitor that just, like, keeps a camera trained on the lobby of the building they live in at all yeah. times, and sees, like, a fucking extraction crew coming in with guns, and he's like, ha, nice try. Actually, what he says is, clever girl. Yeah, Like dude, a Jurassic fucking, Park thing, dude. No, dude, J-Park stole it. J-Park Did fucking they? I said, well, because this of is course. 1990. Yeah, so no, Jay Park fucking Jay- ice pulled oh, over. He like fucking punches Laurie in the face and bounces. And this is the part of the movie where I really locked in on like what I was talking about with the like the very fun aesthetic of this film. Yeah. With like the like 90s, like 80s, 90s futurism where like everything is just made out of exposed steel girders and there are just miscellaneous rising columns of steam. Like, did you notice this? Like he's yeah, leaving dude. their like apartment building, I guess. There's just rising columns of steam everywhere. Everywhere. That don't really seem to serve any purpose. So from here, the extraction team sort of busts in as Quaid is like bailing, I think heading towards the subway. Um, a... Uh we, we meet Richter here, who's, like, sort of, like, the head of this group of henchmen. Okay. Um, was, what, it, was it just me, or did we not actually get this dude's name until basically the end of the movie? I think, like, the end of the film, dude, yeah. Yeah, like, literally the end of the movie. So, like, throughout all my notes, I refer to him as the Doug Stamper-looking motherfucker. Because he just <laughs> looks like Doug Stamper from House of Cards. 
He, he just yeah, looks like true. Doug Stamper. So, so just, just visualise him as such if you haven't seen the film, uh, because that's what I refer to him as until the very end of the film when Arnie calls him Richter. Anyway, they show up in his apartment and they find Laurie and Richter's like smooching on Laurie. It turns out they're actually together and she was just tasked with keeping an eye on him. And they have this little fucking 3D tracker that like somehow is tracking him and they're like, oh, he's in the lobby, he's running away. And they've got like a 3D model of the building and they like run after him. I have to say, man, like, these, like, shitty old-school effects, like, again, this aesthetic is actually kind of awesome, and I kind of really, really like it, and I kind of hope that there is some concession to it. I guess you yeah, could say dude. it's remakeable. Like, yeah, I, I, I kind of expect... The aesthetic of this film is so fun. Like, the the the, the leaning on practical effects is just, like, yeah, I think terrific. It's very cool. Like, I kind of expect the, the remake to be, like, really, like, slick and, like, you know, fucking mid-2010s special effects kind of stuff. But, like, like I I kind of hope that it, it kind of still looks goofy and cool because that is a very remakeable aspect of this movie. So Arnie's being chased. He comes to that x-ray machine we saw him at before uh, and he gets trapped inside it because he has a gun on him and, like, all the security, like, whoa, he's got a gun! And he escapes by just jumping through the big x-ray screen, which is quite cool and also kind of silly. Yeah. Uh, he fights a bunch of dudes on an escalator who are all chasing him. He throws a corpse at one of them. This is Paul Verhoeven after all, so, like, someone has to throw a corpse at someone else in the, con- in the context of the film. Uh, you know, that, that's that's one of the things that is in every Paul Verhoeven movie I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he escapes into a future subway, uh, and then two guys talk about how he fucked one of their wives, uh, which is, is Richter and I guess the, the old, like the Doug Stamper looking the guy. Che- the cheeky the old... blonde henchman dude who's just like constantly Would you say blonde like... or would you say grey hair? Uh, one of them too, listen. Depends on the, the, the colour grading like of your version of the film. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, this movie is clearly, like, so now we've got, like, Richter or Doug Stamper and this other guy, like, just talking about it a little bit. And they, they get in the car and they call Cohagen, who is, I guess, like, the, like, appointed governor of Mars and, yeah. like, their boss. And, dude, and- worth saying real quick... Played by Ronnie Cox, that's motherfucking Dick Jones! I was gonna ask, I was like, is this Dick Jones? I could Dude. not remember. In the eternal words of Kurtwood Smith, it's Dick Jones! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, shit. The, the, the other thing that I noticed is, like, they, they get in a car to talk to Cohagen, and it's like a, like a video link again. There are two screens next to each other. There are two little video link screens between the Doug Stamper guy and Dick Jones. Why two? Why not just one big screen? The two little screens are right next to each other. Yeah. What utility is achieved by this? Look. There were some choices made in the art department, <laughs> which really do stand under. Yeah, so they, they talk about the fact that that Quaid now has total recall, and my next title pitch: we should have killed Quaid on Mars. Uh, <laughs> and uh, at this point, like, I guess what they're, they're trying to do is like, you know, it's it's playing with like some interesting shit where it's like, oh, is this real or is this all the fucking you know memory implantation process that Quaid was totally. in the middle of? Like, is is he imagining all this? But the amount of like non-Quaid stuff that we see. Like, the amount of stuff that where Quaid is not on screen at all. I'm kind of like, if that's an angle they're going to want to play, like, how are we seeing this? Like, what is all yeah. this stuff? If I, it's I all agree, made of Quaid dude, yeah. Like, it's, it's a weird choice to try and play that line whilst also showing all this extraneous shit. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, that aside, we're back on Quaid now. And, okay, where the fuck is Quaid? 
He's in a hotel? Like, where where is he gone? Like, he's just somewhere. He's just in a random place having escaped. Yeah, and so he, like, sort of, like, busts in here. Um, we found out that there's a bug in Quaid's skull. Um, and there's a, uh, basically he receives a phone call from this guy, this payphone outside, but it's a video call, obviously, because it's the future and everyone in the yeah, FaceTime. It, so despite the side, by the way, isn't it so funny that like all sci-fi pretty much predicted that we were all going to be doing like video calls in the future. Yeah, And now dude. we like have their technology and nobody uses it. Yeah. Like, you just have audio calls. Why would you want a video call? Unless like, you know, very specific scenarios in which you want it. But like most of the time... Audio is severe. Yeah, audio suffices, certainly. Um, so uh, this guy sort of is, it says that, like, basically this random uh, dude at the payphone uh, speaks to Quaid and is like, we used to be buddies back at the agency, I'm helping you out, they're tracking you right now, um, grab a you wet towel, you ever wrap around your head. He's like, I'd find you here and I was supposed to bring you this suitcase, wrap that towel around your head. He put a special towel around his head, and <laughs> and he for some reason, a, a wet towel can like block out the signal. Obviously, in nineteen ninety, they didn't really have a sense of like the strength of microwaves, I guess. But no, like, no, dude, I can tell you that's all true. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, all one hundred percent science. Very good. Yeah, it's I'm, all one hundred percent factual, dude. Terrific. Um, this agency dude as well is like, cool, everything you need is going to be in this case. I'm going to leave it here by the payphone. I'll see you in the future. So Quaid like, runs downstairs wearing this wet towel, um, goes to get the case, and there's just this random old lady oh my God, who's dude, picked up the so case. so silly. And he's just kind of like, so get your silly. own damn case. And he's like, it was left yeah. for me. And she's just like he's arguing like, and he's fighting like, with him. this is my bag. The thing that fucks me about this is like, she knows this isn't her bag. <laughs> she knows she's trying to steal it. And she persists in being such a thing. Like, surely she's trying to do crime. The guy who owns the bag is like, hey, this is my bag. And she's like, no, it's not. It's mine. And <laughs> she knows it's not. It's fucking what, bizarre, dude. What a low percentage play. And what a piece of shit human being. LVP not to that old woman yeah so we get Quaid with, now of the case uh, basically the henchmen are like real close on him he's walking across and they spot him um, so he like sort of like like fucking books it and like is trying to get out of there he's like they're shooting at him he rushes towards a Johnny cab <laughs> Um, dives on in and LVP to this Johnny Cap for being such a douche when he's just kind of like come on drive get out of here anywhere just go like like and it's like where do you want me to go and he's like I don't give a shit like anywhere and it's like shit I don't know what that is can you rephrase the question just as he's being like drilled with bullets and so Quaid responds to that by killing Johnny Cab like ripping the fucking like like the I, I, I gotta say, dude, like, I, are you giving LVP to Johnny Cap here? Yeah, he responds like a goddamn lunatic and rips the fucking robot clean out of the driver's seat. I think this is entirely Quaid's fault. It's a robot program to take a location. He's like, go! And it's like, I don't understand. Please give me a location. And he's like, just drive! Like, dude, just say a place! Any place and it will start driving. But he's like, like rips it out of the seat. The, at this point, my brother chimed in and asked, the very valuable question why would it even have manual controls like it's controlled by the robot but quaid throws it out and starts driving it why would this driverless car even have the ability to drive it listen you're really getting to some bigger deep questions within this movie um (laughs) but yeah regardless like uh quaid finds a manual control does some really uh, appalling driving and somehow manages to get away um 
he finds like a I guess a construction site. Maybe it's one Some near where he was working somewhere. before. Yeah. Um, he gets out of the car and then like the um, Johnny Cab still alive says like that'll be like this amount of money and then like like pay for your fare and then like Arnie's like oh sue me and then <laughs> the Johnny Cab uh, like, I believe what of, he like, says is sue me dickhead yes Johnny Cab loses its mind like kind of glows red and then just kamikazes oh God, into the fucking dude, wall exploding in this- flame. This is an insane dystopia where, like, he refuses to pay for the cab. So the cab, it doesn't just glow red, it screams. The Johnny Cab is like, ah! And then it tries to run him over. <laughs> like, this dystopia where it's like, oh, they won't pay their cab fare? Try and kill them with your yeah. car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the programming Johnny Cab has. But, of course, Doug barely reacts to this as a concept. And now he's in some ruins with his suitcase pulling out all these weird instruments. He finds a, uh, a gadget here which creates like a holographic mimic of yourself. Gotta say, dude, style rating A+. This is pretty fucking cool. To like sort of like shoot off a little mirror of yourself and be able to like sort of control it. Very So fresh. yeah, then, then like he pulls out a little video of himself and his video is like, Howdy, stranger. I am you. I know you think you're you, but really you're me. Ha 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 ha. Yeah. It's a strange thing. So, like, this, like, version of himself on the screen is, like, explaining. He's like, you are an operative on Mars, and you found something, and they tried to kill you because of it. And Cohagen is the bad guy, and you are not Doug. You're me. I'm Hauser. And, uh, yeah, I guess he was a Mars agent, and Cohagen got to him and reprogrammed him, but he got away. Moving on from here, like, we also get uh, Hauser uh, pointing to himself in the video, pointing to his head and being like, there's enough shit in here to fuck Cohagen good, which I was like, <laughs> it's not a great line out of context, but all right. Um, and then basically uh, Hauser informs uh, Quaid of how to remove the tracker, the tracker from his skull with this fucking, like, nose gun fucking, like, retractable hand thing that he, like, jams into his nose and uses to rip out this, like, large sphere of, like, a a tracker. Remember that scene in the first Matrix where, like, fucking Neo has to, like, pull the bug out of his belly button or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, this, this actually really reminded me of that. And, like, this is the first instance of this film that we get, like, really fucked up, like, body horror with prosthetics. Like, we're, yeah. like, he's pulling this bug out of his nose, and he's, like, ah, ah, ah! he's, like, really screaming, and, like, his nose is just bulging so hard. Like, it, it looks really fucked up, like it's gonna break. We can't, we can't avoid probably the best line in the movie, and almost certain yes. to be a title pitch. Yes. Get your ass to Mars. Like, we can't overlook it. I'm not title pitching it, because it's too obvious, but it is there. Get your ass to Mars. Well, certainly, and it's there again and again and again as, uh, basically, as Quaid leaves, he detonates, he, like, just, like, sort of, like, smashes his computer so it gets all goofed up and starts going on a loop. And so as these henchmen are there trying to find Quaid, who has given the tracker to a rat, and so, like, we we see, like, we see fucking, like, five minutes of these henchmen just, like, firing at rats as we can hear in the background this computer is being like, get your ass to Mars, Get your ass to Mars. Get your ass to Mars. And now we're on Mars. <laughs> like, I yeah. guess, right? Like, there we go. We're pretty much 
We're straight there. We're straight on Mars. There's this woman getting her passport stamped. Uh, Richter and his boys are there as well. They're seeing uh, all this graffiti that says Quato lives. Uh, what the fuck? I guess Quato, we, we learn quickly, is like the head of the like Martian separatist movement. He's some freedom fighter. One of them's like, hmm. The Martians love Quato. And, uh, yeah, then, then we cut back to customs where this woman's getting her passport stamped. There's this big lady there and she's like, hello, I'm on Mars. And then the, the, the customs official is like, how long are you planning to be on Mars? And she's like, two weeks. And then they're like, do you have any fruits or vegetables? And she's like, t- t- two weeks. And then like, just starts like flipping out in the weirdest way, like backing away, being like, <laughs> and like yanking on her gums and like this is all happening of course serendipitously just as Richter and his boys are showing up in Mars Customs at the same time Richter looks over okay this is fucking weird right because yeah. Richter looks over sees this woman this like woman in Customs freaking out in response to the question do you have any fruits or vegetables and he goes like, that's Quaid <laughs> He's right, as it turns out, but what a bold statement. Like, he went out on such a limb here with that (laughs) statement that that there, that woman freaking out, that's That's Quaid. (laughs) And like, yeah, he's right, because apparently Quaid, okay, I don't... I have so many fucking issues with this. Like, Quaid has a robot suit that, like, makes him look like a big woman. He takes the head of the suit off because apparently, despite the fact that it's a suit that he's inside, it was only capable of saying one sentence, which was two words, two weeks. It couldn't respond to anything else. Why were no more words programmed into it? So he's now in a standoff with, like, Richter and his boys and Martian security, having taken the robot head off his suit. He throws the head to one of the security guards who catches it. We learn the head can say more words because it says, get ready for a surprise, and then explodes. (laughs) Why was that Quaid's plan to, like, get caught and throw an exploding head? Why, Why then was he able to escape because the guns that security on Mars have in customs break the glass on the domes if you fire them? Why Why not make domes that you can't break with the guns yeah. that you give your own security forces? Why do they even have guns if they can't use them? <laughs> so, like, that just seems like an absurd security issue. Basically, one of them tries to shoot at Quaid. The window blows out. Everyone's being, like, sucked out into the Martian atmosphere. Where are the emergency airlock shutters? About two and a half minutes later, they finally roll down. But by that point, Quaid's already fucking escaped. (laughs) There are so many problems with this scene. It's a mess. This this one Quaid escapes out a very slowly closing airlock door as they're like shutting down the dome so that no one gets sucked out into space. And then Richter grabs the guy's like, open this door. And my other problem, the guy's like, I can't open just this door. All the emergency shutters are connected, which seems like an enormous safety flaw. Like, surely you want to be able to get out of certain doors. Oh, the scene was so fucked up. And like, that's, that's what bothers me about shit like this. It's like, I'm willing to suspend my disbelief about things. As the writers, you have complete control over this world. Like, you can't just make stupid shit like that for no reason. Anyway... 
There's like a long standoff between Richter and the captain as they're sort of arguing about like who let uh, Quay get away. Uh, we find out that a few days ago, Kohagen raised the price of air. This is as Quaid's like sort of like moving through, um, moving through the town. But I, I like that in, in particular because that sort of like speaks to this sort of dystopia that like Kohagen has like complete control as administrator over Mars and is like charging for air. Quaid's on a train and bumps into a uh, an ex miner who, like, Quaid points out, like, the pyramid mine, and then uh, the guy's like, oh, yeah, we had to, they had to shut down that mine because they found some alien thing in there. And then Quaid's like, huh, so they say, yeah. and the, the dude's like, no, no, I'm, I worked there, I'm a miner, I, I know firsthand, that's, that's what, that's what happened. And Quaid's like, like I, I saw it with, I saw it with my own eyes, yeah, like, there yeah, was yeah. alien stuff in there, like, <laughs> that's, that's why I lost my job, it's why I'm homeless now, but thanks, man, you're, you, you do you, I guess. Like, don't believe me. Yeah, Whatever. so it, I guess it turns out that all of this is about some fictional element called turbinium. Like, Cohagen's yes. running these mines to get turbinium, which I guess can only be mined on Mars. And there's, like, a bunch of rebels that are fighting Cohagen about Martian independence. And also there's rumors that, like, alien stuff was found. So, like, there's a lot of elements going on in this movie. Like, a lot of elements that sort of don't really coalesce until the end. So now we get a we get a scene in, like, uh, what, um... Fucking Cohagen's boardroom, where yes. Richter comes in. I guess it's Richter. Is it Richter who comes in? Yes. And fucking the the guys like, oh, uh, Quaid got away, and they're like, how did you let Quaid get away? And Richter's like, oh, I don't know. I just didn't think. And in the most like cliched fucking movie boss imaginable, Cohagen's like, you didn't think. I don't pay you to think. You shouldn't be thinking about anything. Yeah, why would you, bloody? I don't tell you enough to think. I'm just the big boy, and you just do what you're told. And it's like. Why would you want employees that don't, like, have any initiative? Particularly because this plan that gets slowly unveiled throughout the movie is so dependent on your chief lieutenant having a yep. sense of what's going on. And the degree yep, to which yep. Kohaken spends the entire film being like, you idiot, you and your stupid initiative, when all he could have been is like, yo, he's up on Quaid. Like, or he's up on this Quaid dude. Yeah. Uh, for a, yeah. It's, it's it makes important. no sense with the later part of this movie that Kohagen is angry that they didn't catch Quaid. Like, absolutely no sense at all. Now we're back with Quaid. He's arrived in, like, the tourist part of, like, this Mars settlement. And, like... There's all these cabs there and all these dudes like, yo, get in my cab. And I'm like, man, this is the future. Surely there's Mars Uber. Like, surely no one's standing <laughs> around, like, trying to, like, like wave, like, fucking cab fares over to their cabs. But no, of course, there is. Uh, he, he gets in a cab with this one guy who's like, I got five kids to feed and just loves talking about his kids. He gets in the hotel and they're like, oh, Mr. Hauser, of course. Oh, we recognize you from before. Seems you have something in our safe deposit box. And he's like, oh, and checks out, like, his own safe deposit box. He plays it pretty cool, actually. Does does Quaid in this scene. He does a pretty good yeah. job. And he gets the safe deposit box, and inside it is, like, a poster for, like, I don't know, a, a strip club, like, downtown. And on the back of it, it says, for a good time, find Melina. And he, like, writes Melina out on the page and, like, compares them to, like, verify that that is indeed his own handwriting. And I gotta say, man, this, like memento-esque plotline where he's like uncovering breadcrumbs of his own past like this is memento before memento it's the matrix before the matrix like this movie's doing a lot of things and i'm quite enjoying it everything that sort of hints towards like is this real or not i think is actually like a really fun element i gotta say that that kind of like discovering your past and questioning reality that is a remakeable aspect. Highly remakeable. He heads to the brothel with uh, Benny, who's the, the man that keeps exclaiming, uh, hey man, I've got five kids to feed. Um, yep, gets in the cab, okay. they they head to the Last Resort Hotel, I think. 
um, to this brothel. They head inside, and he is looking for Melina. Quaid heads to the bar and is basically just kind of like, hey, um, I'm looking for Melina. And they're like, she's with someone at the moment. She's busy. And he's like, I'll wait. And the, like, the button is like, why not try this young lady over here? And this lady turns around and she's like, we could have some fun. Opens her shirt and she has three breasts. Yeah, dude. On his way into, I think it's called Venusville. It's like, I guess like Mars is like the space version of Detroit in Paul Verhoeven's estimation. Because they pull up in the Venus district and immediately some rebels start like blowing shit up. And he's like, welcome to Mars, man. Which is another <laughs> title pitch for me. A pretty good one. Uh, they're walking through like Venusville. And like we quickly see there are a lot of people with like physical disabilities here. Like facial deformities, like body deformities. They all like have these like, you know, different looks about them. And uh, the cab driver claims that they're all mutants who are deformed by, like, radiation from having cheap domes. But it's, like, it's actually quite subtle, and this is quite cool, but, like, every single one of them we see in this scene where he's, like, walking through all kind of allude to having some kind of, like, ability to, like, see the future or read minds or something. Like, the first guy's like, oh, I bet I know uh, your future. What's well, about the past? And uh, then he continues walking around and, like, another little girl is like, I bet I can guess your birthday. And he's like, what is it? And she's like, you're a Pisces, right? And he's like, that's amazing. How did you do that? So... Jackson, this is my first mighty goof for you in this movie. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. is that. Okay, let me let me pull it up, and I I thoroughly agree with this one. After Hauser slash Quaid arrives on Mars, the little psychic girl says, "I bet I can guess your birthday." To which she follows with, "You're a Taurus, right?" But she guessed his zodiac sign and not his birthday. That's a character <laughs> error, according to an IMDb user. But guess what? Four of 16 found this interesting. <laughs> so the community at large, pretty against that one. But I noted that as well, me personally. And I got to say, yeah, we buried the lead too much. Let's return to the bar where Doug Quaid is exposed to the three boobied lady. What it's like did the this film... do to you? Yeah. It's like the, like, Paul Verhoeven was like, got it. Here's, here's this as a thing. And like, because they use this gag, like four or five times over the next, like, 10, 15 minutes. Like, again and again, is that people being like, oh, whoa, you got three breasts? Crazy. Yeah. But, like, this this was the moment I remember, like, walking in as a child and, like, seeing this film that Dad was watching, and I was like, what the fuck is going on? Although back then I wouldn't have sworn because I was very against it. But, like, like... What the flip, dude? Yeah, what the flip? A, it, just, it looks relatively, like, in terms of, like, practical effects in this movie sort of thing, it's like, okay, fair enough. Um, But it's just, like, a strange thing to keep returning to, particularly because all the other mutants in Yeah, uh, so so this is what I wanted to get to, was, like, is, is the idea that she's, like, a mutant like the other mutants that we've seen, or is the idea that this is cosmetic surgery that she had? Like, an elective surgery to get a third boob? Because, like... This three-boobed lady is probably, like, the most famous and memorable part of this film. But also, I just, like, I love the idea that, like, oh, three's better than two. Like, most guys would see that and be like, oh, man, can you imagine, like, a whole third boob? Like, yeah. like that would be something that people would be, like, super into. Hey, if that's your thing, I'm not, uh, not, not yucking your yums, as it were. But, like, no. I mean, that's, surely that's not, like, that's not, like, something that you'd be like, oh, yeah, you know what I meant? Like, extra boobs. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty weird one. 
Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's the future, though, I guess. So Quaid turns down this lady, and she responds to him calling him uh, Earth Slime, which I thought you'd really appreciate, I Benjamin. I generally appreciate slimes and goos and things of that nature. Melina is pointed out to Quaid, and he heads over, and would you believe it, Benjamin? It is the exact woman that Quaid picked out at Recall. Uh, when he was choosing the ideal brunette woman for himself. She's wanton, she's demure, she's athletic. One of the mutants there is like, what the fuck are you doing here, man? I believe what he exactly says is, you got a lot of balls showing your face around here, Hauser. To which Doug Quaid responds, look who's talking. Because the guy has like a, you know, deformed real, face from his Yeah, mutations. real grouped up face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Melina is like, it's fine, don't worry, and like, is like, I'll head upstairs. They all recognize him, I guess, even though he doesn't know who the fuck they are. He, he spirits Melina away, and they get into a private room, and she's real mad at him. She's like, Hauser, what the fuck? I thought you were dead, you didn't get in touch, what the fuck's going on? Like, we learn these two have like a bit of a history, and this is again, Quaid just doing such a poor job of explaining what's going on. He's just like, I, I'm, I'm, now I'm Quaid, I'm not Hauser, I'm Quaid, Douglas Quaid. I think Now I Am Quaid, Douglas Quaid is a pretty good title for it. Yeah, I like that a lot, dude. That's a good one. Like, Melina is, like, super mad and that sort of thing, and then quite quickly is like, oh, God, but I'm in love. Like, she starts kissing him, and then there's a whole argument about him being married because he said, he mentions that he has a wife back she home. She alludes to the fact that, like, he's still working for Cohagen, which is not something that he bothers asking about. And at this point, yeah. I was like, wait, did he work for Cohagen? I thought he was fighting Cohagen. And at this point, I'm like, like, what the fuck is going on here? Aliens, rebels, the agency, the North and South block, Cohagen, fucking, like, Tabinium mines. Like, there's so many intersecting plot lines here, and, like, none of them have really been explored. That being said, a big twisty tangle of different groups and interests, that is remakeable as shit, my friend. <laughs> Melina's just kind of like, you know what, Quaid, you shit, get the fuck out of here. Arnie just looks so confused about everything that's happening. It's kind of like, okay, Which, I'll leave, fair, I guess. So am I at this point. Yeah, no, no, fair enough. I'd like to play the tagline again. Give with me you. those lines, dude. I want to know them. So, three taglines, three different movies. Uh, it's up to you to choose which is which. Tagline number one Be careful what you wish okay. for. Okay, I can see that, but I can also see that being. A movie more directly about wishing, uh, or like a genie, or like a monkey's paw, perhaps, as opposed to this being like something that Quaid wished for and going to Mars. Okay, go on. Number two, replace my memory. Okay, I mean, that's a little on the nose. Like, if it is that one, that is a bit much, I think. I'll be like quite disappointed, because that's like... I can't actually think of a movie that that's a good one for, but okay, go on. What's next? And number three, the final, get ready for the ride of your life. I like this dude because these three are all very different and they're all very bad for different reasons. And the fact <laughs> that one of them is a tagline for this movie, like, that's quite a lot. So it's what? Replace my memory, little on the nose. Get ready for the ride of a lifetime. Just could could be just about any film. Let's be reasonable. And, and be um, careful what you wish for. Be careful what you wish for. And I am honestly stumperoo because, like, they they're all bad. Like, not <laughs> not a one of them would be a good tagline for this movie. Like, obviously, the one that makes most sense is replace my memory, but that just seems like that would be shocking. If they were like, 
Total Recall. Tagline, replace my memory. You know what? I'm going to go with number one. I think it's got to be, be careful what you wish for. Benjamin, the correct answer is number three. Get ready for the ride of your life. Okay. I mean, yeah, fine. I feel like that could have been any movie, to be fair. <laughs> true, true, true. A very generic tagline. Take, take me through the rest of them. Yeah, yeah. So the the first, uh, by the way, the first tagline I did was from the 2002 remake of The Time Machine, um, which could be a fun one for us to do at okay. some point. Okay. Yeah, I have seen that. I've seen the remake. I haven't seen the original. Um, I think the original's with Orson Welles, I'm pretty sure. Uh, anyway. Um, second one, Replace My Memory. That was Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I thought Bond that might be Eternal Sunshine, but it is yeah. very on the nose for Eternal Sunshine. Still even. still bad, still bad. And then, of course, uh, Get Ready for the Ride of Your Life. And the remaining tagline to Total Recall. Okay. <clears throat> I'm ready. If one of them isn't, we can remember it for you wholesale. I'm going to be mad. Well, prepare, my friend. How <laughs> would you know if someone stole your mind? What? <laughs> How not... would you know if someone stole your mind? That doesn't... That doesn't track. That doesn't scan. Well, Benjamin, is this one better for you? How would you know after memory implantation if your mind is yours? What? What? Imagine seeing that as the tagline for movie and just being like, "Mm, yes, of course. Like, that requires so much knowledge specific to this movie. That's very dumb. What would you do if someone stole your mind? (laughs) There's a lot of mind stealing. I can sense yeah, d- a recurring theme here. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's very, it's very mind flayer sort of very oh, deep. Nice, nice, and nice. then the last, the fifth of five of these taglines, they stole his mind. Now he wants it back, which I think sort of like suggests a different sort of movie in some sort okay, of way. Okay, yes. So this is what I wanted to hit on. I feel like like calling this a movie about people stealing someone's mind is like. A bit of a stretch. Like, yeah, yeah, I can see how you got there, but it's not really what the movie's about. So now we're back at the bar and Benny the cab driver is hanging out with the three-titted lady and he loves it. And it's very gross. He says, baby, you make me wish I had three hands. Probably another one of the more famous lines from this movie. He then gets up immediately as like Quaid is leaving after his unsuccessful rendezvous with Melina and immediately says to Quaid, you ever fuck a mutant? Pretty gross thing to say. Uh, L- L- LVP to Benny for me. Yeah, just just yeah. for being a big gross boy. No, fair call. Fair uh, we, we learn that Cohagen has declared martial law because fuck terrorists, I guess. Now we're back to Quaid. He's in a hotel room. There's a knock at the door and Quaid's like, who is it? Sorry, sorry, Jackson. He's like, who is it? Yeah, thank you very yeah. much. We find out that it is the doctor from the advertisements for Recall Incorporated. Um, yeah, dude, a recall arrived. guy. Yeah, he's flown all the way to Mars just to be like, listen, dude, the thing is, is that I'm not actually here. I've been implanted in because you're in a delusion at the moment. You're skitzing out and uh, basically you need to come with me 
take this pill. Essentially, he's literally red-pilling Quaid. Think about the fact that this is pre-Matrix. Yeah. Like, they're basically making a play on him here being like, you're in a dream. This is all part of, like, what was happening to you at the recall center. Like, it's all gone wrong. You're starting to believe it's real. Like, because we implanted... And he basically, like, lays out some very logical arguments. He's like, what's more likely? That you're a fucking... Martian super spy at the center of like an interglobal conspiracy or you're a lonely construction worker who paid to have this memory implanted when we know you did pay to have this memory implanted and Quaid's like sort of almost looks like he's starting to believe it but he's still like no it's bullshit it's coincidence like all right what are the odds of it being a coincidence yeah. like that is so fucking stupid I'm gonna say dude this this like matrix pre-matrix pre-inception shit highly remakeable like, I yeah, hope dude. they really double down on it in the movie, because, like, it, this, like, Philip K. Dick here is, like, he's working blind. Later, like, like, fucking The Matrix, like, standing on the shoulders of giants in the modern-day version of the film. So they've got, like... Totally. They've got a lot more, like, a lot more, like, collective public psyche understanding of, like, this concept of, like, is it a dream, is it real, than I feel like Paul Verhoeven and Philip K. Dick had to play on. So they really better double down on this remakeable aspect. The, the good doctor brings in uh, Laurie, who's playing the whole loving wife thing very well. Quaid's like, oh, so you're here. And she's like, yes, I'm here at recall, trying to talk to you. Like, please come home. I love you, baby, please. And like, we do see him starting to break. He puts the red pill yeah, in his yeah, mouth. They're like, so they're, the, the point is that they're like, the, fill, like, the pill is symbolic. It's like, if you take the pill, like, you'll wake up because it's like symbolic of your acceptance that you're in a dream. And he's like... Why don't I just kill you if you're just like a dream figure? What will it matter? And the doctor's like, it won't make a difference to me, Mr. Quaid. But for you, it would be disastrous. And he like goes on this tirade, dude. Like, what a fucking performance from this guy. Where he's like, if you kill me, in your mind, I'll be dead. And with no one to lead you out of your psychosis, you'll be trapped in it forever. And like, you can tell like Quaid's like buying it. He's like, oh boy, I better fucking, I better fucking do this. And like puts the pill in his mouth. But then, dude, the doctor's, like, acting breaks and he betrays himself by starting a two-sweat. A single bead of sweat pours down his face, which gives Quaid the indication he needed that this guy was All actually concerned. Needs. Which means it is actually real and he blows his fucking <laughs> brains out all over the curtains without a second thought. This guy was literally like a guy sent in to try and convince a man he was in a dream. And the performance he gave, dude, all he almost did it. Like, that is quite impressive. But no, he killed the Doctro, and then all of these New Jersey ninjas just bust through the wall. Like, all of these fucking, like, Italian-American ninjas just, like, literally jump through a wall. It's the second time this movie someone's busted through a wall, including Quaid jumping through the x-ray machine, and they take him hostage. And, yeah, they give up the facade, and Laurie's like, you even made me come to Mars. You know I hate Mars. And then she kicks him in the nuts again, and now he's captured. Okay, so now we cut quickly to Richter and the greyhead boy sitting in front of the coolest beer sign I've ever seen, which is just a man (laughs) shooting a basketball, and it just says, light beer in the background which like what a fun sign i'd have that at my house anyway uh fucking they've got quaid they're like trying to bring him wherever we are but melina shows up out of nowhere and saves the day she murders all these fucking new jersey ninjas and then she has a big dust up she has a big dust up with um laurie i guess like they're fighting while doug does nothing he eventually wakes up picks up a gun executes laurie and says 
consider that a divorce. Yeah. How fucking many of these shitty one-liners can they stuff into this movie? I guess one more at least. Oh, dude. I mean, a couple more for sure. Like this, and this is Arnie. Do like he's just like slipping into a comfortable groove here. This is like this is what he's doing. Yeah. He's here for. Fuck yeah, Melina, dude. I I think I threw an MVP here because like from this point onwards, she's just like yeah, so solid throughout the rest of Fucking the film. Fucking Doug Quaid and Melina, like literally, literally, like regroup, run off camera. Literally three seconds later, Richter and, like, the grey-haired boy show up in the room they were just in. There's, like, no time. They just get away. And Richter just looks so disinterested. At this point, we still didn't have a name for him, so I've written, Doug Stamper looks sad that his wife is dead. (laughs) And then they take off in hot pursuit of uh, Quaid and Melina. Again with the guns, dude. Again with the guns. Yeah. Rick, like, like fucking Quaid and Molina, like, jump off something to get on, like, another balustrade walkway so they can escape. And fucking Richter shows up and, like, lines them up with his gun. And his friend, like, grabs his gun and pulls it down. like, no, you're going to shoot the shields and we'll all get sucked out into space. So why even have the guns? Yeah. Why did they even bring them? <sighs> okay, anyway. there are fucking domes everywhere. Yeah, it's all, it's all domes, dude. It's all <laughs> <laughs> it's all it's nothing but dumb. So there's a car chase. Melina and Quaid get back in Benny's taxi, and he's like, "Oh man, why are you putting me in a firefight? I've just got I've just got these five kids to feed. I'm so obsessed with talking about my five kids that I have to <laughs> and, feed. To be there's honest, five of them, and, and I have to feed them all. At this point, th- this like fucking tagline of his came around for me because at first I was like, uh, okay, and then when I heard this like fourth time, I was like, actually, I'm back on board. Just keep but it's saying so it. unmotivated here because he's like, what? Why did you put? Is it, what? We're getting in a cab. I got five. I have kids to feed. Like, okay, fine. So they escape because they have the rustic hospitality and the will of the people. They yep. pull up at this little bar, the same strip joint they were at before, and like, fucking, like, they open like a Rita Hayworth poster in the wall, and like, Quaid and Molina duck inside it, and then a bunch of people like all sit in front of it, so it is like they're like well hidden. They get here like seconds before Richter and his offsider who are chasing them, and this Doug Stamper boy, Richter, just has zero patience and loves killing things he doesn't need to because he's like where are they the waitress is like i don't know where they are and he just kills her just kills her and then a big shootout starts in the bar uh the little person uh bartender slash stripper like who we hadn't discussed before gets a big knife and stabs the gray-haired dude she then hops on top of the bar and, like, grabs, like, a machine gun. It's just, like, yeah, taking dude, and out the crowd. Yeah, dude, starts spraying these Cohagen troops. Like, shit is going south inside this bar very quickly. Hauser and Molina escape yet again. Richter then, like, runs as, like, all his gunfire's going off and just, like, swan dives out this window, essentially. For the third away. time in this movie, yeah. busts through a wall or some window or some shit. Richter receives a, a call from Cohagen, who's like... Dude, what are you doing? Let him get away. And we're like, what the fuck is going on? This conversation on? that they totally should have had before, but are finally having now, where, like, Cohagen is revealing that he wants him to get away. Okay, fine, but, whatever. But in order to punish the whole district... You know what? Like, fuck it. Just get out of the area. I'm going to section it off. And then, yeah, as you say, a punishment to the whole area. He just shuts off the so air. So they're all slowly suffocating. And we see a bunch of mutants. Not, not my word. Uh, worrying about it. And... Yeah, now we've got Molina and Hauser slash Quaid uh, escaping through some tunnels 
and there's all these skeletons. It's very Skyrim, like Draugr, like in these little like skeleton holes in the walls. And Melina's like, ah, oh, yes, these are the original miners who mined out all this space. And then they died and Cohagen took all their money. And I guess they're all dead and he's still alive. So I suppose he's found some kind of way to like leech their life force because they're literally all skeletons and he's still alive. So like, that's pretty impressive on his behalf, really. Uh, But anyway, they're walking through these tunnels. I guess they're on their way to find like the resistance and Kuato and this whole subplot that we've been teasing the whole movie. Uh, And indeed they do get picked up by like this weird militia who are hiding in the tunnels underneath these skeletal corpses buried in the side (laughs) of the walls. Like they're just like hiding underneath a bunch of the skeletons. It's very confronting. And Benny reveals that he is indeed also a mutant by pulling off this prosthetic... Yeah, he he fucking pops off this prosthetic hand and then just, like, whips out this, like... Like, everyone everyone else's mutations has been, like, very reddish, very, like, radioactive looking and that sort of thing. This dude just has a fucking, like, proboscis sort of thing, like, just, like, coming out of his arm. You know what he has, dude? Instead of one hand, he has two hands, which means... You know how many hands he has in total, dude? dude? He has three hands. It was foreshadowing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, dude. How do you feel about Verhoeven now? I mean, similarly, very impressed. (laughs) (laughs) Now we're in, like, the Rebel HQ, and the leader of the Rebels is talking to the guy uh, with the really jacked-up face that we've seen a couple times Mm -hmm. about the fact that they're out of air, and he just, he gives him this idea, have you tried ramming down the door? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, man, what a fucking brilliant suggestion. Didn't think of that one. Yep. Thanks. So now Quaid is like in the command room with this guy who is like the commander of the rebels. And Quaid's like, you're Quato, aren't you? You're the guy, you're the leader. And the guy's like, no, I'm not Quato, but you're going to meet Quato soon, man. We're just here to get whatever's buried in your brain, because that's what's going to fuck up Cohagen really bad. Whatever Cohagen found in those mines out there, all those rumors about it being alien stuff, you know about it, and now we're going to know. And we get the final piece of fucked up body horror, which is <laughs> probably one of the most iconic parts of this movie, which is like, this yeah. guy opens his shirt, and the whole time he's opening his shirt, he's just like... Whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. and it's like what is changing about this turns around and he's got like a little man with like a face and arms coming out of his stomach but like why was he yeah why was he like making like pain noises about it like he's always yeah, there okay, anyway no, dude, dude we, we've teased it a couple times I'm saying it now like body horror highly remakeable Kinda, kind of interested to see where they go with it with like all the new effects that are at their expense Kuato is like Mr. Quaid, uh, you know the things that we need to know about what's going on. So open your mind, open your mind, open your mind, open your mind. And it's like, yeah, dude, we get it. Open your mind. And he's like, it's just like, he's just getting slowly closer to Quaid being like, open your mind. And then we get this flashback where Quaid, I guess, opens his mind. And we learn that Cohagen found all this weird old Martian alien shit that's half a million years old yeah. buried it's like deep a, in one of his mines. It's like they, they refer to it as a reactor and it's like all these pillars, essentially. Yeah, they're afraid to turn it on. Uh, he's like, oh, well, why didn't the old aliens ever turn it on? Like, it must have been bad. So they agree not to turn it on. Like, it, it's Cohagen. He's in the mine with, like, some of his people and they're like, we should blow it up. And others are like, let's study it. And then they're just like, okay, whatever. Uh, but the vision 
is quickly interrupted by yet another instance of people bursting through a wall in this movie because somehow fucking Cohagen's men have found Quaid and Quato and they use a fucking giant mining rig to just bust through a wall into this secret office. How did they find them? Okay. They're running through Quaid, Molina, Quato, and uh, Benny, like, uh, like, uh, like, sort of like escaping away from all this gun firing. They head down to this tunnel and, like, what do we do? Where are we going? Benny whips up a gun and just, like, fucking drills Quato, dude. And then they're like, why did you do it, Benny? Why did you turn on us? And he's like, hey, I got four kids to feed. And Quaid's like, wasn't it five? And he's like, Haha, you got me. I'm just a piece of shit who loves money. And it's like, man, Whoa. what a turn. What a twist, dude. Yeah, like, he's one of the mutants. The he should be fighting for the little guy for like on the side of the resistance. But no, he just loves money. As Quato <laughs> is dying, he uses his dying breath to say to Quaid, turn on the reactor. And then he dies. Quato and the body that was hosting him. So Cohagen uh, drags Molina and Quaid back to back to base, where he does his whole monologuing thing and is like, "Thank you so much, Quaid. We couldn't have done it without you." And like Quaid's looking at Molina. There's a lot of fun like, lines where they're like, "You're a hero," and Quaid says, "Fuck you," in total deadpan. And then one of them says, "Quato is dead," which I think is like a nice, fun, like um, Nietzsche, "God is dead" kind of thing. Yeah, like, totally. Is dead. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, like he starts yeah, as you say, like monologuing. He kind of, like, reveals that, like, Hauser was in on this, and he's like, Quaid, you were one of my boys! We devised this plan together, Hauser and I, where we were gonna wipe your memory, and then send you in as Doug Quaid, and I actually organized all of this, right down to the cab driver! And, like, Quaid asks a very justified question, where he's like, well, why did you have your men trying to kill me? And, as far as I understand, doesn't really get a very satisfactory answer to that. And then... Quaid Quaid also says here, huh, that's the best mind fuck yet. <laughs> Great title pitch. Lots and lots of very good title pitches in this yeah, movie. Yeah, there's a lot. Uh, so then they they play a little video to like convince him that it's all true because like you know Quaid understandably doesn't believe this. But they play a video where we see Hauser uh, standing next to fucking Cohagen being like, "Hello, Quaid. I guess if you're seeing this, then like you've been caught and Quato is dead and you've done your job. Like you're me and like." That's my body you've got there, so I'll be having it back now, thanks. And uh, there was this really weird moment at the end of the movie where, oh, sorry, at the end of the little, little like, video where they were, like, trying to convince him that this was really what happened because, like, Quaid wasn't buying it, where Hauser looks at the camera and just is like, I guess I'll see you around. You never know. And, like, the way he says you never know, it just felt like such an afterthought that I am convinced that Arnie ad-libbed that line and, like, <laughs> they just, like, they, they, they shot it, like, four times and he just kept doing it. They just ran with it. So, yeah, they eventually reveal that, like, they're gonna, like, turn him back into Hauser because Hauser wants his body back and this was always part of the plan. Quaid and Melina as well. They're gonna mind wipe both of yeah. them. He's gonna go back to being a Hauser, and Melina is gonna be his babe, in the words of Cohagen. Yeah, you could very justifiably ask at this point, why do they care about Melina? Why did they even bring her? But then, yes, Cohagen reveals it is to be Hauser's girl. That's exactly why they did it. Um, they're like getting ready to strap them in to convert like him back into Hauser and her into Hauser's girl. And uh, then Cohagen goes over to a wall panel to take a phone call, and man. He has probably the, like, best delivered line in the entire movie. 
when someone's like, hey, so I guess your plan's coming off. Uh, should we return air back to that group in, like, Venusville that you cut the air off from? And he literally, like, takes the perfect amount of pause and just goes, fuck him. Like, he just goes, no, fuck him. And it was, like, such amazing delivery, dude. Cohagen has been great so far. Definite MVP nom for me. Like, yeah, he's dude. so engaging in every scene he's in. Well, I think, like, like even for, like, an MVP for running Cox, because he's clearly been working on his craft in between Robocop and this yeah, film. Yeah, he, he's got a lot better. Cohagen leaves, and they strap, yeah, Quaid into the machine. And, dude, Arnie's face work deserves an Oscar in this flick. Ugh. Because, like, he's getting his brain fucked, and he's like, and he's, like, bugging out his eyes and shit. It looks really silly. Um, but probably the silliest thing of all is that he flexes out of the machinery. Out of pure steel, Pure, dude. pure diesel rips this steel machinery apart and, like, uses one of the, like, metal handcuffs to, like, stab a dude in the neck, like a bit of protruding metal from it. I gotta say, dude, a hero whose, like, entire shtick is just that he's a big, big man is, like, yeah, sure, that's a remakeable aspect of a film, but boy, am I interested to see where they go with Colin Farrell in the Yeah, remake. right, dude, I was about to say that. I was like, might be remakeable, like, probably not in this case, though. He, he is not that. Yeah. So he, he breaks through, and then Quaid kills, like, I don't know, it's a handful, but as many as 40 scientists, essentially. <laughs> Yeah, he literally picks up a fire axe at one point. It's very The Shining, and he's just cutting dudes in half. Like, it is, it's pretty confronting. Uh, and then, like, now we see, like, Richter and Cohagen. Like, oh, he also frees Melina, of course. But then, like, Richter and Cohagen are up in, like, the executive suite, and Richter's like, you know, we can't just reprogram him, right? Like, we have to kill him. Which begs the question, and, and Cohagen agrees. Where was this conversation, like, five minutes ago? Yeah. Why bring him in, start reprogramming? Like, why why do things in this order? Like, why start the whole thing and then, like, only after it's already happening, be like, we should kill him? And then Hayden's like, yeah, good idea. So Richter heads back down to try and kill him, but of course it's already too late. Quaid and Melina have decided they're going to try and get to the reactor. Melina's like, why do you want to go to the reactor? And Quaid's entire explanation uh, is, aliens built it. Very well, you've got me convinced. Uh, also, so- also because the way he says it sounds like he's saying aliens, which makes sense because the whole purpose of the reactor is that like these like uh co- like these pillars like uh pierce the core the frozen core of Mars and then create air from the ice. And so they would be aliens, because they're creating air for Mars. Very good questions to be asked about the aliens building the reactor. We'll come back to that a bit later. Um, So now, yeah, like, Quaid and Melina are running through the tunnels. And, dude, Benny's back, dude. Which is just, like, why? Benny shows up with one of these big miners to try and kill Quaid and Melina. Why is he now going above and beyond? I know, He presumably got paid to double-cross, like, Quaid. Why is he going so far outside of his job description to try and kill Quaid and Melina with this miner? This scene is so silly. Like, he backs them against a corner with, like, the big drill from the mine. Quaid is able to, like, stab the coolant line so, like, the miner gets slowly disabled and, like, get around to the side of the thing. And then he picks up this big drill and like drills through the side of the miner and impales Benny on it. And like it just looks bad because they don't show the impalement. 
No, they, they don't show the impalement, and it's just like screaming, like "Screw you!" And and Benny's screaming, "Where are you?" Because like Quaid like got around his like line of sight and like flanked him essentially, and like you know no side cameras on this giant. It, it was just so silly. This whole kill scene, like they didn't show the actual death. I guess they were out of like gratuitous murder budget by this point, so they literally <laughs> show like like Quaid like stabbing the drill into the side of the thing, and then they just show a close up on on a fucking what's his name, uh, the the cab driver being like. Benny. Ah! And like they don't show the actual yeah death at all. So yep, he deserves that for deciding to go completely unnecessarily above and beyond in order to kill these two people that he doesn't know. And <laughs> yeah, they make it to the reactor. We're kind of getting to the pointy end of things now. Like um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I gotta ask the question, dude. Why would the ancient Martian alien reactor make air for humans to breathe? Like if the if the ancient aliens needed air, like, they wouldn't have been able to operate on Mars unless there yeah. was already air, in which case they wouldn't have needed to make the reactor. It's so, like, strange as well why- that, like, when we get to the reactor, like, the, 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 the way you activate it is with a, like, a handprint, essentially, very much in the mold of a human hand, uh, in a, in a, of an alien hand, I should say. Yeah, that's what I mean. Sorry, yeah, it's very much in the mold of a Martian hand. But then, like, Arnie is able to use it with a human hand. It's bizarre. Well, I think this is the thing. I think it's just a button. Like, I think it's just a big button that you just press. But for some reason, it's, like, molded in the shape of, like, an alien hand. But, like, who does that? Like, imagine if, like, human-made technology, just, like, every button just had, like, a big handprint in it that you put your hand into. Yeah. It's it's fucking crazy. Why did the Martians build a reactor to make air? They either don't need air or there already was air. Either way, they're not building a reactor to make it. Yeah. And 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 two, why did they never turn it on? Like, we don't actually get an answer to that question. Well, they they probably realized they didn't need air, and so it was like a pointless decision. <laughs> like they were like, why did we build this? We don't need this. Why did we even yeah. Like it was a passion project. Yeah, and it was exactly. like a full employment thing. Like they made it just to like be able to yeah, employ yeah, yeah, some yeah, of yeah, their yeah, technicians. Yeah, like sure. just making just, a like, bunch yeah, of pointless infrastructure shit. to like build jobs. Yeah. for sure, dude. <laughs> they built this stupid reactor. Coincidentally, what humans need. Yeah. Arnie. Uh, slash Doug Quaid gets ambushed in the middle of like some of the pillars that make up this reactor and he gets the shit shot out of him and he drops to the ground and at this point my brother was like wow I didn't see this ending coming (laughs) of course it is the hologram (laughs) (laughs) Jake's like wow what an ending (laughs) I didn't think he he would just get shot to death by a bunch of guys uh, but yeah, no, oh, of course it is the hologram. Props here to Quaid and Melina throughout. They are such a good fucking team. Like, they're swapping the hologram, yeah. like, gadget over and that sort of thing. And they're really just, like, goofing up everyone. It's it's very good yeah, to watch. Yeah, dude. So, yeah, you're right, exactly. There's a big goofing up happening, basically. Like, now they're doing some, like, cover-to-cover fighting because, like, yeah, the, the reactor is just all these big metal pillars that they're all, like, you know, ducking behind, doing some shooting. They're, like, playing fun games where they, like, dupe people with this um, hologram. And i got to say, dude... LVP to the three guards who get duped by this hologram and then killed. What a way to go out. Extreme <laughs> disrespect. Basically what happens is like, 
Like, they run up on Quaid, and Quaid's just like, ha 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 ha, just maniacally laughing, and then he turns to them and is like, ha, you think I'm the real Quaid? And like, they think he's the hologram, so they don't bother shooting at him. But then he's like, it is. And then he just kills them, and it's like, <laughs> man, you guards fucked it so bad. Oh, like, so surely good, you just shoot at the hologram anyway, for, like, just, just in case. Like, why would you just be like, oh, guess that must be the hologram, and then get killed? The big outcome of it all is that we get into a final fight between Quaid and Richter on the the lift, which I'm just going to say goes predictably because Quaid is an enormous mountain of a man who can flex his way out of stainless steel restraints. And yet the climactic fight is him against just a dude. And uh, before we, we move on to the horrifying way in which Richter is completely destroyed... With your permission, I'd like to very quickly look at where the actor who plays Richter has gone now. Benjamin, I have to be honest with you. Um, I actually <laughs> looked up this actor uh, a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Because we was watching the movie and it was like, there's a guy in here called Michael Ironside. And I was like, who the fuck oh, is so that? Oh, know. Dude, he's <laughs> still acting. This fucker has 256 acting credits. Fucking He's known hell, for man. playing Gene Razzak in Starship Troopers, which I love, by the way. Have you seen Starship Troopers? Yeah, dude. Is that That's also Paul Verhoeven, man, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is too. Fucking hell. He's in Total Recall, obviously. He's in Scanners. He's in Top Gun, dude. And he's still acting. He's in a bunch of... Like, he's in... Five things that are currently in post-production, and a few things that are currently in pre-production. Yeah, man. Born in 1950, he's turning 68 this year. Oh, oh, my God, dude. Oh, 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 dude, if you go on Michael Ironside's uh, IMDb page, and you click through the photos of him... In fact, Jackson, just, just do this for me. Just just go okay. to Michael Ironside's okay. IMDb page, and click through the photos to, to number three of 97... And, and just tell me what it is that you see, Jackson. I would very much like to know what you see in photo okay, number three of okay, 97. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> dude. What is it, dude? Give it up for the audience. What is this it's in the photo Wentworth number three of 97? Wentworth Miller, dude, is Captain It's Paul. Wentworth Miller in the flash! That's right, motherfucker! We've got our five degrees of Wentworth Miller. We've got one degree of Wentworth Miller! It's Michael Ironside, bitch! We've done it! This is the closest thing to a Wentworth Miller singularity event we've ever had (laughs) so now we're back at this very predictable lift fight between Doug Quaid and Richter where at one point uh, I've got another little mighty goof for you my friend second of only two that I bothered pulling up for this movie (laughs) during the fight on the elevator Quaid breaks Richter's arm and yet he is able to pull himself back up to the elevator without any sign of pain. Richter <laughs> is a fucking tank of a human being, man. That is so fucked up. Like, he gets a broken arm, but then life without scenario pulls himself back up on the elevator. Man. I mean, to be fair, like, that's just a bit of foreshadowing, because as this fight continues, uh, Quaid manages to get the upper hand eventually. He's pushing Richter off. Uh, the elevator, Richter's like, I'm taking you with me. Uh, Quaid pulls yeah, back so a Richter's bit. Yeah, so Richter's like hanging onto the elevator for dear life. Uh, he's like being, yeah, like just holding onto the side of it. And then, yeah, we quickly see the elevator's coming up on like a wall and like a roof that's gonna like fucking... rips Richter off his hands. 
like Quaid is just there holding his arms clean off at the forearm and then we get our our next fun little just random fucking one liner where Quaid says see you at the party Richter and at this point I wrote down that's Richter we finally got his name dude like we've been referring to him as Richter all movie but this is literally I think the first time we actually get his name so uh, Quaid lazily tosses Richter's arms away and makes it to the top of the reactor but you better believe Cohagen is there for some reason and Cohagen asks some very legitimate questions of him and he's like hey why do you think turning on this reactor is a good idea? Don't you think if it was safe, the aliens would have done it? It's going to burn up all the water and it's going to like fuck Mars right up. Like you can't just turn on the reactor or the aliens would have done it. And he's like, no, it's going to be fine. We never actually get a justification for why it's okay. No. But Cohagen does say a lot of fun things in this scene. He says, who gives a shit what you believe? You're nothing. I just wanted Hauser back, but no, you had to be Quaid. <laughs> All pretty fun quotes. He says, I'll blow this place up and I'll be home in time for cornflakes. Melina comes in and saves the day again uh, by, I guess, hitting Cohagen in some way. I can't exactly remember how that happened. MVP to Melina for like saving the day yet again. Cohagen uh, still manages to start the detonation. Uh, Quaid uh, grabs the bomb. Oh, the bomb that I guess he had. Quaid just, like, fucking throws the bomb, uh, just, like, away, essentially, breaks one of the domes, and all three of them are at risk of being sucked out. They're, like, hanging on by, like, sort of, like, various, like, lights and, like, cords and shit like that, like, hanging on for dear life. Uh, Quaid climbs up and heads towards, like, the the center button of the reactor. Cohagen's there. has a handprint in it. Yes, he grabs Cohagen and like shakes him just off. Throws and, like, him. Throws him out. Just throws him away, dude. Just um, kill, has to kill one more boy. We quickly get a lot of very confronting shots of Cohagen dying, exposed on the surface of Mars. Yeah. He's exposed to the solar radiation. He has no oxygen. He's bugging out. He's decompressing, and it is fucking confronting. He pushes his human hand into that very clearly Martian handprint. Uh, and then the pillars start to lower, he can't hang onto the rope and gets knocked off. Melina seems to just, like, go with him. She's like, Quaid! And just, like, kind yep, of like, lets well, go. she's like, well, if Quaid's gonna die, I better go- die too. But yeah, like, they're now lying on the surface of Mars, next to fucking Cohagen, also dying, and we get a lot of really, really uncomfortable looks at their faces, as Arnie's just like, and Melina's doing the same shit. It's very, very bad. Their faces are bulging out but of course the reactor has started to work uh these big hot pillars of metal sink down into the ice i guess literally the whole thing is that they melt ice so it becomes water and i guess water contains oxygen there's an explosion of this like vapor essentially it creates an atmosphere in mars and then uh oxygen a a lot of weird stuff happens yeah, so you go. Yeah, we see we see a few things uh, where like this like big like fucking vapor like cloud spews out of the top of the mountain. It breaks the windows in on a bunch of the domes, which is like okay, the pressure would have to be so high, like from like the outside <laughs> atmosphere, to break the glass. And if it is so high on the outside that it breaks the glass, why do they all then get sucked out? Because the glass breaks from, like, the fucking air atmosphere pressing up against it, and then everyone immediately is getting sucked back out. Makes absolutely no sense. Why did the aliens even bother making this reactor? Okay, whatever. Now we're looking at Arnie and Melina slowly dying, but they slowly stop dying because the atmosphere fills in, and Mars now has an atmosphere. And literally, literally, blue sky... Happily ever after, 
Fucking, like, Doug Quaid stands on the side of a hill with Melina. He smooched the gal. They look at the nice Martian blue sky. And credits. So, we hope you've enjoyed listening to Total Recall, uh, the episode of our podcast, Still Interested, a TV and film reboot remake podcast for Curio. I am, as always, Ben, not Benjamin McAllister. I mean, Benjamin is my name, I suppose, but it's just like, <laughs> no, one really, no one really calls me that except Jackson in this professional setting. So, you know what? Mm-hmm. Call, call me Benjamin if that, if that makes you happy. If that but, suits you, know, you. Makes me yeah, happy. If you were going to try and find me on Twitter, you'd probably have better luck looking under Mr. BT McAllister. You can find me at Jackson underscore Usud. Uh, and the show at SI Curio. Sounds show. like Sicario, that movie that was pretty good. It does. We're big, we're big Benicio del Toro fans. It's, it's a fan. I actually, I actually am. Yeah, I also really enjoyed that film. Just got Stan, by the way. Sicario's on Stan. Big Ooh. fan. Um, big, big, big fan of Stan. Hope you enjoyed it. Check us out. Rate, rate, and review the show, please. F- throw us a rating if, if you're feeling up to it. Uh, a review. Tell a friend. Just any, any, anything, anything like that is just like really helpful, and we really appreciate and definitely it. get in touch if you've got ideas for franchises that yes. have been rebooted or remade that you would like us to tackle. Because this one has been on our list for a while. Like I've been very excited to take on Total Recall for some time. We've kind of also already got an idea of what we're doing next. So the oh, next three yeah. episodes are kind of spoken for. We're always looking for fun shit. So so definitely hit us up. So Jackson, let's talk MVPs. MVPs. I've got uh, Ernie. The flippant lab technician. Yes, yes, of course. I, I, I had an MVP to the scientist there as well, the, the red-headed scientist. Cohagen. I had Sharon Stone uh, for being just like so yep. damn con- convincing. Oh yeah, no, I did. I know you're right. I did have one for her as well. I just didn't say it because you'd already done it. Yes, yep. she did and also, job. and also, I have one for Melina who for just like saving the day and just like actually being a positive force on now, this. Now here's film. why I think it's David Nell. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Please inform me. It's it's Dave it's David Nell because I think if we nominate him for MVP, he's more likely to call on a podcast. Is the thing now, Benjamin? I hope you're not like challenging my integrity here. And like normally, I would shut down such a like a ludicrous notion. But I think in this particular case, I think that just makes sense for us and ourselves in this and this show. And if it leads yeah, to a better show, then we're we trying probably, to build. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're easily bought. That's the brand we're trying to do. Like, yeah. if, if anyone's advertising or anything, just send us an email. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll advertise for we'll, you. We'll, like, we'll make your product MVP in the next episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're, oh, like, God. we're like, man, you know what I think's the real MVP of this movie? Powerade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking love that. Those electrolyte <laughs> dude, for sure. <laughs> L- LV- LV- yeah, LVP like- for Gatorade though that stuff sucks. LVP to dehydration dude <laughs> oh, god. you gotta get the power right? oh my god uh, let's discuss LVPs my single LVP was the Johnny Cab for ruining my life <laughs> I don't mind that actually so you know what I'm, I'm willing to get on board with that oh thank you Benjamin I appreciate you like acknowledging my spiritual harm from this shall we talk into some trivia after seeing Sharon Stone's performance as Laurie in this movie, Paul Verhoeven would cast her in the movie Basic Instinct <gasps> due to her ability to play a character that could change from a timid, charming sweetheart to a diabolical person and back again at a moment's notice. He also stated that this is the way Sharon Stone is in real life. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> what a nuclear space burn oh, on Sharon Stone from Paul Verhoeven. Also, Paul Verhoeven directed Basic Instinct, I man. I didn't know that. That's crazy. Oh, he's had a career and a half. Okay. Dude, toward the end of filming in Mexico, Paul Verhoeven got so sick from food poisoning, he'd have an ambulance nearby on set at all times. In between takes, the paramedics would administer fluids and medication so he could keep directing in spite of his illness. What a fucking hero, man. Oh my god. God. All of the crew fell ill due to food poisoning during the production, with the exception of Arnold Schwarzenegger and Ronald Chusset. Schwarzenegger escaped because he always had his food catered from the US. This was because oh three years God. earlier he'd fallen ill due to drinking tap water in Mexico during production of Predator. He knew. Arnold Schwarzenegger was originally going to play the title role in Robocop, but problems with the costume caused producers to drop the idea. After Schwarzenegger saw Robocop, he said that he loved the movie and wanted to work with Paul Verhoeven. When he and Verhoeven heard about Total Recall, they decided to work on that. Do you think they just couldn't fit Arnie in the Robocop suit? They couldn't. And they probably tried body paint and it just looked shit. (laughs) Oh, body paint. (laughs) Oh my God, dude. This movie... Decided to insert itself right into the Cola Wars with this very, very subtle piece of set building information. Coca-Cola is the only advertised soft drink on Earth. On Mars, there's only Pepsi. (laughs) Those 1990s Cola Wars. Writer Dan O'Bannon had a falling out with Paul Verhoeven when Verhoeven replaced the satirical humour with extreme violence. (laughs) In the original (laughs) screenplay, dude, in the original screenplay, dark humour was much more prevalent, but when Schwarzenegger came aboard, Verhoeven recognised the necessity to tailor the script to Schwarzenegger's talents. They were like, he can't do humour, just let him ice a bunch of t- Oh, that's so funny. Still Interested is a production of the Curio Network and hosted by Ben McAllister and Jackson Usid. We are produced by me, Grace Chappell. Editing by Jackson Usid. Theme music is Anitra's Dance, composed by Edward Grieg. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Curio Network and at SI Curio Show. We'd love to hear from you if you've got thoughts about the show, so find us on Facebook or Twitter. If you like the show, think about giving us a rate and review on iTunes, or wherever you listen. It actually is really helpful. We've got other content on Curio, such as Odds and Ends, where I talk with people about the mementos they've kept and the stories behind them. Or How to Win Loot and Influence Dragons, where we play D&D. Seriously, it's a lot of fun. Check it all out at curionetwork.com. We'll see you in two weeks.